Welcome to the Fred Tech Mike podcast. You know, I'm your host, Andres Mendoza. With me are my co-host, Mark, Mark Walker. Walker. Glad to be here. And thanks to Fitzy.org for hosting us. Glad to be able to be here. Root is a one-stop public-private partnership to jumpstart new businesses and energize innovation in Frederick County. Thanks, Dig Mark. deep, cultivate tomorrow. That's right. Yep. And we are recording here at Fitzy. You know, it's awesome. Uh, so today is going to be about AWS, and I have with me three awesome guests. Let's go around the room. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, I'm Dan Rusk. You got nothing else to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason DeRose, I'm a software architect at Experian. Uh, Patrick Pearson, uh, DevOps engineer for IronNet Cybersecurity. Uh, Dan's humble. He's the uh, one of the uh, guys that's running the AWS Columbia meetup group. I run the AWS Frederick, Frederick meetup group. group. That's and right. Jason is a co-organizer of the AWS Frederick meetup group. Jason, when's your next uh, event? <laughs> your host. <laughs> <day>. uh, <laughs> January, February? One of those days. One of these months. Yeah. One of those months. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, so today's topic, let's talk about AWS. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, recently you were just at one of their conferences, right? Reinvent. The conference. The conference for it. And you came back with this wealth of information and this huge, huge every, PDF. Every year, I, you, I specifically, but everybody ends up, I think, learning a lot from mm-hmm. the reInvent conference. It's, it's a, it's a learning conference. It's, it does have a lot of uh, fun things to do, fun after parties to go to, those types of things. But you are definitely there to learn. Is it like one of those, is it like the annual conferences for Apple and, and Google, all that stuff, similar I, to that? Yeah, I would say that. I've, I've never been to the, what is it, WWDC, WWDC or, the, yeah. or Go, what, not GoCon, but uh, the Google conference. I, I haven't been to those, but uh, it is a announcements conference. It is a meet and greet thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things going on. What part do you get the most of from them? The uh, breakout groups, the main meetings, the meets and greets? The, uh, the networking that I... Networking. I, I, yeah. I spent probably the most of the amount of time this year at the actual expo. Uh, just just talking to people. Just talking to people. Yeah. And picking up things as you go around. Yeah. yeah. That's worthy. Yeah. 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 So before we get even more deep into AWS and various services and things that they provide, everyone knows Amazon, right? AWS, you may or may not have heard it if you're technical or not technical. If you are in the field, then there's no way you haven't heard it. Um, let's talk about why. Does anyone know why Amazon started, started this service, AWS? Yeah, I know why, yeah. So the way Jeff Bezos constructed Amazon, he made it so that all the services could basically be maintained and built by independent teams, and then they had APIs exposed to communicate with each other. So they had to all uh, have this common API structure and basically eat their own dog food to the point where they have this large uh, Amazon business where they can sell whatever and they stay up all year long. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and then once they had that all stable and going, they decided to you know sell those services to everyone else and open it up to the to the world. Oh, so they were just originally doing this just for in-house items, and they realized why don't we just open this up and productize it? Yeah, like it? while we build it, why don't we build it for everyone while we're doing it? And now it's become practically the backbone of the, the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, one metric I think I saw a couple years ago was at uh, six p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every day, 70% of the internet was going through Northern Virginia through Amazon Web Services because it was all going through Netflix. Wow. That is insane. Yeah. Probably another reason why Bezos picked HQ2 to be in this area, right? 
So yeah. it's the largest uh, region that they have. On, U.S. East One is there. I think there's uh, mm-hmm. uh, 14 data centers in. They got US the compute East power. They've got yeah. the telecom. They've got all those things coming together. It's, they have they have like a huge amount of infrastructure. Yeah. And it's amazing because I've seen I've seen other statistics that I think Amazon today their biggest revenue stream is through their selling you know selling service online right. And while AWS is a small part of their entire revenue stream, it's still huge compared to everyone else like Microsoft and, oh, yeah. and other it's, companies. Uh, another metric they announced at reInvent was they, as per Gartner, have 50, 53% of the cloud usage is Amazon Web Services. The closest uh, next mm-hmm. front runner, not even a front runner, no. the closest next was uh, 10% with Azure, Azure. And then Google's at Maybe five percent, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. IBM's way back there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. I, I feel like I make a mistake when I say AWS when I'm really referring to any of the cloud providers, but they're, <laughs> yeah. they're almost becoming like the Kleenex, the of, Kleenex, or, or the, the jacuzzi, right, of like cloud services. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it it, it really kind of goes. To sh- I I hate feeling like I I know that I'm a Amazon fanboy, but I'm okay with that, specifically because they have shown that they are the front runner and just about everything. You know, mm-hmm. okay, if you compare some of the data specific <laughs> things that Google has, like their Maps API or their uh, uh, the geo coordinate related things, there's a lot of other interesting APIs that Google has, mm-hmm. but it's it, there's their actual offerings of cloud services doesn't match the things that Amazon has. Right. Because they're so like wide breadth on how it's much they It's 140 offer. named services now. I mean, there's there's a service for everything. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, the other cloud providers trying to target specific areas. So Google's OCR was really good. Um, and AWS hasn't really provided much in the way of OCR tools, but... They just announced they, it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're coming back. They've <laughs> got Textract was just announced at reInvent, yeah. so... Very nice. Yeah, I mean, typically companies can just say, let's do this one thing and do it better. And they can if they're focusing all their resources on that versus like other companies that are so wide that they're doing a bunch of stuff. But it's not hard for Amazon or a company like Amazon to just catch up, you know, or do it better. Now, there are some things that Amazon's done that I'm not a fan of, like their their work mail service. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two years ago, I, I used it for a company. It was utter crap. It was one of the worst email services I'd ever seen. Hmm. And we switched over to Gmail for, for the enterprise. And that was great. It's a, it's a wonderful service. Gmail right. is perfect for any company. Workmail, not so much. Maybe that's changed. And that's the only time you'll probably hear me say anything bad about Amazon. Spin up your own EC2 instance with your own mail server. Yeah, yeah. you probably do a better job than <laughs> yeah. what Workmail was you providing. You could. And then you have to ask special permission for port 25 on oh, really? Amazon. Yeah. yeah. They'll block that for you. And you know these kind of things then, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I've tried them all. And all the showstoppers you have to work <laughs> yeah, with when yeah, you get exactly. to it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you're, you're also going to start teaching some courses, right? Yeah, in the spring, I'm going to teach at Carroll Community College. I'm going to teach, like, a beginner's class. Uh, and that one's, like, only, like, 20 hours of class time. Okay. But then that might uh, progress to the summer or the fall, teach mm-hmm. a, a class that's mm-hmm. geared towards the Solution Architects Associates certification. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, the first one's kind of the 
the first test, and I can't remember what it's called right now. The Cloud practitioner? Practitioner, okay. yeah. Dan, in your classes, what have the students seem to be have been the most interested in so far? So, so far, I haven't taught an AWS class, but I've been teaching the uh, CIS classes, Computer okay. Information Systems. Okay. And all of them are really interested in being able to build their ideas, their apps, and actually play with them and have them. And that's... That's generally what they're interested in right now. And so that, that gets to the crux of what AWS provides right there is now I can go online to this, this online service and I can stand up pretty much a server farm in ne- next with one next to nothing, depending on what you're doing. And two, I don't have to buy any hardware anymore, right? And that's, that's kind of one of the things that's really cool if you're a startup and really scary if you're an established business is that. Yeah. Right. Know. My all that money and time that I spent building out my on-premise data center, um, all my software that I've built that's kind of been commoditized now, like user management systems. At least and in logging, theory, AWS know. says they accommodate on-prem legacy stuff. They yeah. say they do. They do, and I think that's important for migrating legacy, yeah. you know, customers in. Yeah. But um, you know, if I'm a startup, I don't need to worry I mean, about that. I can, I can, I can focus yeah. on attacking your product and right. rather than having teams of uh, you know sysadmins and developers right. I can have one really good devops engineer come in and get get up to speed pretty <laughs> <good>. so, <laughs> more than so it's very everybody interesting everybody needs to be a devops engineer <laughs> sure it's okay but, for everybody to understand how to use the cloud yeah but you're right like i could stand up uh, you know all these services online focus on my product and then it also scales Right. Let's assume that for some reason my product theoretically, theoretically, right? Well, <laughs> it will cost you, right? It will it's cost. It's not so much that it would cost you. It's, it takes one of those DevOps engineers to make sure that the thing that you're building is scalable. Just because you throw a couple of servers together, they're not going to be able to handle millions of users. You ha- you throw a couple of servers together that have maybe a backend that has some uh, distributed processing engine or something like that to be able to then handle. There's millions. Seems like your network schema would have to grow with you also. Definitely. So you'd have to it's a it's yeah. it's a constantly improving process. You have to really embrace the idea of DevOps to be able to build your infrastructure on Amazon properly. Amazon has what's called the well architected framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you follow that framework, you are theoretically building your application in a way that will scale on Amazon. I mean, look at uh, what happened over this past weekend. All these new users put Echo devices online, and it took down the Alexa service in Europe because maybe Amazon's not dog-fooding their process. Maybe it's not well-architected. It reminds me of the one time that, uh, what is it, S3 went down or cloud services went down. And the irony was the status page for AWS, the, the S3 status page, was pulling images from S3. Yep. So because it was down, it, lo- it showed all green. Yep. And I was like, because the browsers showed all green. Because yeah. it just yeah. didn't work. Yeah. The browsers couldn't pull the correct exactly. image. So they just defaulted. Interestingly enough, the outcome of that was uh, cross-region replication. So yeah. yes, Amazon ended up taking down one of their most important services. They turned it into a money-making opportunity. For them. <laughs> Weren't they supposed to be doing the cross-region backups anyway? Well, it's, it, it definitely after that event came out that yeah. you could now do cross-region rec- replication. It's just like a checkbox. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to as a provision you for You could build your own. Yeah. You could definitely yeah. before that have built your own bucket in another region and replicated it yourself. 
yourself. But you have to manually architect that. You would have to build that. In this case, now you can click a button and say, replicate it to another region with no problems. Right. Sort of speaking into your, you know, you're buying into the to the cloud. You know, I see a lot of organizations will start with, um, you know, what is affectionately known as the lift and shift. So, you know, you basically do everything you've been doing in your on-premise data center, and you do that on Amazon. Um, and it's not it's, always it's not all, it's not it's not one of those awe-inspiring things, yeah. right? Like it's. <laughs> That was the you, same. You might get some benefits of not having to maintain your own hardware, maybe save a couple bucks here or there. But, um, you know, you're doing the same thing that you've been doing and pretty similar to the, um, you know, leasing a, a server and a data center, which yeah. isn't really anything new. It's, so. it's a, you see this a lot with the government is they will contract people out to say, we have this application that's running on premise. We want it in the cloud. And really what the contract is, figuring out how to take this, something like a JBoss application, and putting it in the cloud. It's the exact one-for-one switch. It's almost like the data center just moved to northern Virginia instead of Baltimore. (laughs) And the cost of that migration is low. And the benefit you get from it is also low. Exactly. You really have to kind of shift your mindset into using the managed services, accepting that. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. a lot wrong with that method, but Amazon will do it for you. They'll let you do it if you want to do it. <laughs> they have a, the database migration service, which will help you migrate from on premise to the cloud if you really want to. They'll let you. You know that database migration service is really cool for uh, continual migration if you want to sync data between databases. You can run in continuous mode. Yeah, that'd be this works really well. Is that something like a disaster recovery thing that they could use? Or well, you could, it sounds like you could use it for that. You could it, use it if you want to say you have, you know, you want to make a, some sort of read replica for reporting uh, in a different database uh, product. Then you can just use the, okay. the data migration service in continuous mode. It'll sort of like whatever your source agent is. It'll it'll uh, act as a replication client and. That might be MySQL or Postgres. It'll just See, copy that data out for you. A couple button clicks and you're done. And you're done. <laughs> the initial use case that they seem to really pitch was moving from Oracle to Aurora, the Postgres service they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea was they wanted to really get people away from using Oracle mm. on AWS and use Aurora. Okay. Oracle, the big enemy, right? <laughs> it ends up being pretty funny every year. Andy Jassy just takes a little jab at the at the Oracle CEO this year when they when he showed the the Gartner slide of cloud usage. A little Oracle uh, yeah. bobblehead popped up. <laughs> There's still a few things that enterprise Postgres can't do that Oracle's proprietary stuff does, but that set is getting smaller and smaller yeah. all the time. Sure, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that. Very large companies do incredibly well with their products, or you could just pay somebody probably a lot less money to to build a, a, a to do something to similar do or equivalent. You know, in yeah. in the open source thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's being able to basically stand up new product. You know, uh, servers to try out new products in seconds. I've kind of discovered that. You know, we've had a lot of discussions in the past of. You know, how does 
this database, you know, relational database compared to this other relational database. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if you're just spending loads of time tuning indexes and, uh, you know, messing with your, your server configuration, like you just need a different type of database. It's a better so. way to use your DBAs <laughs> than that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so there have been like old school people that have done that. And it's like, well, yeah. why don't we try something different? You know, depending that's, on the problem you're solving, right? That's what the whole yeah. RDS service is for is mm -hmm. to essentially say, okay, you know, obviously DBAs have their place and they are an incredibly valuable tool to use. Or you can apply that money elsewhere. You can pay a little extra to, to actually have Amazon run a database for you and maybe buy uh, an extra developer or two to, uh, to actually build more product. Right. And that's really kind of what sold me on, on AWS was, you know, we had um, our on-premise uh, relational database and we had uh, basically like thousands of IoT devices coming online that were going, you know, it, it was like hundreds of thousands of devices that were going to be coming online on a specific date. And we built a little test app to, to try to simulate that load and it was failing. So we knew we needed to do something and uh, kind of did our, our normal process of like, uh, you know, get a bunch of engineers in a room and start brainstorming, adding RAM or CPU to the server and... <laughs> You that know, sounds like a good application for DevOps to solve <laughs> yeah. that problem. And you know, when you're when you've got an on-premise premise uh, data center that's like you know making a purchase requisition and having someone sign off on it and waiting for it to be delivered and scheduling it into part. a maintenance window and having a bunch of guys come in at three a.m. and and if it doesn't fix your problem, yeah, it's then not you've wasted a lot of yeah, time. It's not guaranteed either. <laughs> that, so, that what you said right there, waiting for the thing to arrive was the biggest selling point. Yeah, it's the biggest benefit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I can wait three weeks for a company like Dell to deliver it, or I can push a button and get pretty much the exact same thing instantaneously. And right. once you get the Dell box, you still have to configure yeah, it and, and rack unpack it, it, rack and stack it, all those things. I don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah, I want to like, push a button. Very true. I want to make an API call. I want to do something incredibly simple. <laughs> and it could be something that a, a hard drive is broken or something. <laughs> it, you know. Yeah, and you can do that, and then you're like, oh, that didn't work, and just shut it down. You yep. charge like 10 cents. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. nice. yeah. Probably in the free tier. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to cost you anything. Tier, yeah. To try it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, that, that was the solution right we uh it's a good hired case, dan you know. here to consult that was mm -hmm. kind of my my first steps into aws patrick helped out a little bit so these guys are kind of yeah these two guys really been looking up to you for a you. while and introduced me and uh you've been sold ever since right he's smiling he's obviously <laughs> happy right <laughs> you're not gonna work you're never gonna work well the first was was proving that you know if we waited for more ram to come in the mail <laughs> <laughs> and then waited for wednesday at 3 p.m to, to turn off to you know that we still it. weren't it still wasn't gonna work so we were able to to create an rds instance really quickly and find out all right, I can reproduce this problem with a uh, machine with similar specs. I'm going to add some RAM to this thing. It does let you fail and, fast, uh, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Ah, there you go. The fail fast. <laughs> yeah. like, and, uh, you know, Dan helped us build a really nice um, sort of workflow uh, for ingesting data and warehousing <clears throat> it. And uh, that 
AWS just ate it up with no problem. And we started collecting so much more data than we were even initially anticipating. We're like, you know, we have all this telemetry data. Let's send that. Let's let our <laughs> data <laughs> analysts go nuts on this stuff. And you're like, man, like now I have to go back and sort of re-envision all our existing products because what, like how many times have I made a decision in the past because we, you know, had hardware limitations, yeah, cost limitations, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're running all this stuff and it's costing, so you know, a buck an hour to take in a billion rows of data. And <laughs> <laughs> so we process that, right? So that, that brings up another interesting tidbit. Last year, at last year's reInvent, uh, Werner Vogels, he's the, CTO of Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. His keynote was all about how AWS provides you, you meaning us here, not not companies like Netflix, not companies like Booz Allen or whoever. Right. Individual people provides individual people the capability to be those big name companies. Right. Because you, as an individual person, have the exact same tools and power available to you that a company like Netflix has to figure out how to provide millions of users a product. That's the, that's the big difference here. Now I will say, you know, you can kind of do some of that with Google. You can kind of do some of that with Azure, but there's just, there's just so many services and tools available to people that it it just blows it completely out of the water. And it's definitely a a level playing field. Basically it's up to the knowledge in, in your brain on whether or not you're able to build something at the same level of, as a company like Netflix. Well, not only that, it's like, you know, you've taught it in certain, you've learned it yourself. You're certified as well as you are, Patrick. It's not overly difficult to learn this stuff either. You're not, you know, a lot of the settings and configurations are not just straight programming where you need a four-year degree and years of programming experience to know what you're doing. Now, yeah, there's going to be lingo in there that you may not understand if you're not technical, but... I've, I felt that the tutorials on there are pretty straightforward. They're like, all right, I want to get a EC2 server, you know, server up and have something there. They can walk you through that pretty yep, easily. Yeah. You don't or have the esoteric programming syntax to worry about. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't have to code any of this stuff from right. scratch. So like you were saying, it, it's not just AWS, just cloud services in general. Like you said, levels of playing field. Yep. I have an idea. I want to do a startup. Let me, let me just put all that stuff on there and I can fail pretty fast. But what I'm not failing in is buying unnecessary hardware yep. that I'm stuck with when the product doesn't actually succeed. Some cost that's out of there. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I spent 10 cents <laughs> trying this yeah. thing out to see if it worked. Yeah. And you learned something out of it. You did. So it yeah. wasn't wasted. Yeah. Yeah. We continue like sort of tackling those those problems that, you know, are basically be, becoming commoditized. So uh, Amplify is a recent product from them. I think Dan's used yeah, it. Yeah, I've used it. And, you know, you're really, you focus on your your schema and your business rules, and it kind of builds a user management system around it. It builds um, a client library around it. Um, yeah, it does, like, automatic data syncing and user management. Right, so all that, that tough stuff of how do I get data off of a individual's device when they might be offline, all that stuff is just <laughs> built in. 
include that library and you're done. And man, that was like, you <laughs> that was know, easy. So yeah. A year of <laughs> someone's time in the past. What you're starting to see with Amazon has started to do over the last definitely two years, probably even maybe a year or two before that is they've started to realize, yes, it's great to offer these services. EC2 is one of the greatest services out there. S3 is one of the greatest services out there. But when you combine EC2 and S3 together, it becomes an even better service. Right. What they're doing with Amplify and what happened before that, which was uh, Light Sale, what they're realizing is, hey, we can offer these services and make it easier for individual users to use them better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can very easily use EC2 to the best of your ability and be perfectly fine. You can definitely figure out how to integrate it with S3 in a way that makes it even easier to right. use for yourself. Or you can use something like LightSail and get a lot of that stuff put together. Obviously, LightSail doesn't necessarily do anything with S3, but it has a lot of those auto-scaling things, some of the other little pieces that come with EC2, but you may not necessarily use out of the gate unless you actually know really what the ins and outs of those things are. Right. But LightSail... Amplify exposes a lot of those different tools that Amazon already has in an easier way for people to use it. So, Where do you guys think things are going with uh, Lambda and serverless and containers and that kind of thing on top of EC2? So, do you see any migration, you know, of EC2 vis-a-vis Lambda, serverless stuff? They, what are you guys seeing there? So, they, Amazon just announced Firecracker. Uh, it's their it's their underlying architecture for. Uh, their their actual Lambda and uh, ECS, or sorry, Fargate, is like the underlying architecture for Lambda and Fargate. It allows you to, uh, potentially, if you really wanted to, instead of being vendor-locked, and I'm doing air quotes because I, I personally don't believe anybody's vendor-locked into Amazon uh, just because there's there's no competitors. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Tell us that, though. Amazon fanboy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are still still scared of being locked in. Yeah, I totally Um, understand that. But but what I'm saying is with something like Firecracker, the idea of being able to say, okay, if I really wanted to, you could spin up your own EC2 instances and run your own Firecracker stuff. Or maybe even I definitely foresee a way that people could sit could take uh, OpenStack and set up Firecracker as, a, as an implementation on uh, as like a plugin instead of running Docker or instead of running uh, uh, one of the uh, like Zen hypervisor or whatever, uh, running Firecracker on top of OpenStack as a plugin to OpenStack, I mean, to, uh, to be able to spin up basically the same Lambda uh, uh, functions or the same uh, 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 Fargate instances on top of OpenStack. So there's definitely I I, first, I see a lot of that probably happening. Okay, so so not not to get too in the weeds, right? Because yeah. you mentioned Lambda serverless services and all that stuff. Let's let's talk about what 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 does that mean compared to like the, okay. the status quo, right? Yeah, well, I want yeah, yeah, good the teacher. <laughs> yeah, let's get okay, the teacher in there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Patrick. I feel like you approach it from like the hardware side a lot and DevOps and like mm-hmm. maintaining all that. But from my side, as a you know, I was always developer, uh, mainly a mobile developer in the beginning. Serverless, especially, is what attracted me to AWS because then I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yep. I just deployed my code and it just worked and, and it, it scaled instantly. And I just had to worry about the bits and pieces in there. And I didn't have to worry about setting up Apache or Nginx or any of that stuff. So having that power uh, really let me you know, really move forward faster than... Uh, someone that had to like uh, set up all that stuff. 
Uh, so on a typical setup, right? I've set up like an Apache server, right? Yeah. And that would house, let's say, my site. Yeah. So you hit that server, it serves a site, or you know, house a database or anything like that. So, and when you do that, you typically have to allocate enough resources to handle all those services, right? right. And you have to know how many people are your capacity, how many people are going to be hitting it, and, right? And scale it and all mm-hmm. that. But with serverless, it was so easy. Now, now serverless, I can just do all these microservices that come through, and they just get handled, right? Whether you're doing serving the site or you know yeah, whatever it's all, else. It's all event-based programming, which I was used to because I've done a lot of front-end work. So front-end work is really uh, event-based where you wait for the user to click a button and then you do something. Right. So with serverless, there's a natural transition where it's like once a file makes its S3, then you do something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, or at a certain time of day, do something. So everything was responding to something else. That Some action, it. right? Yeah. yeah. So then you can chain them all together and you can you can make a, a big application out of all these different parts. It's more like at, once you have these reliable, tested parts, in there, then you can just put them together into a bigger product. Push that out there. Yeah. And it gets very easy to make a microservice. So, you know, I kind of, kind of laugh sometimes at all the time that I spent worrying about, you know, software architecture on these monolithic applications. <laughs> and like, you really don't need that for three lines of code that you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's running in your lambdas. So. My, my particularly, my favorite uh, thing that Amazon produced was, uh, Chalice. It's a Python uh, library that allows you to write three lines of code <laughs> uh, and deploy it as a Lambda function. So you can write a hello world with maybe uh, a couple of commands and push it out and it, it, give, it puts it out to API Gateway and Lambda and you are able to interact with that endpoint in a matter of less than 30 seconds. It's three lines of code to write hello world though? Well, it's the, the actual... It's, it's Three commands. You actually don't Fair have enough. to write any code because the base <laughs> template is the hello world. And, uh, and it, you need it, to it, open it, and close the function. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pulling some code from underneath somewhere. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. But it's, yeah. a, it's yeah. a framework. But that, still, from the, from the programmer's standpoint, it is much simplified. Oh, yeah. You just write oh, yeah. the code, yeah. push the code, and let the code do its job. Yeah, you don't, and then you don't have to worry about misallocating servers or something like yeah. that and running up a big cost. Because if it's not running, it's not costing you anything. It's funny because... Programming, right? Remember, like C plus plus, and earlier, oh, yeah. you have to you have to like take account to like memory allocation, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You allocate you garbage, know, that uh, collection, garbage collection, yeah. all that, and then you needed yeah. to handle all that throughout your yes. life cycle of your program. Then, then came to the newer programs like C sharp, Java, and all that that handle garbage collection for you, kind of like that, where it's like I can write my code now. Granted. You write shit code, it's gonna it's gonna be shit. But if you're if you're decent enough with your code, it handles all that stuff for you, just like these these right. services. And happen. that's where I mean, with reInvent, they announced you know lambdas would support like any language now, yep. and they have mm-hmm. lambda layers now, which is kind of like the Docker layers that you can mm-hmm. do. And uh, they have one of the sticking points with uh, had with serverless before is there was no like serverless database, relational database at least. They had Dynamo. And that was kind of serverless, but you had to like provision throughput, and now they have an auto scaling sorta. Uh, but with uh, Aurora serverless with Postgres and MySQL, it's been pretty great. With a uh, whole stack can be serverless. Yep. And just you know, basically what happens when a lambda runs for anyone that doesn't know is it it just kind of instantiates a container for that code to run in. And it could be on any server, you know, in that region that you've. You set up and 
Uh, Amazon has various layers of caching to try to make that, you know, so if, you, if you run that function multiple times, it'll kind of right. keep that container, at least the container image locally, so it can, can run it again very quickly. It's yeah, they're, cool. getting, they're getting faster with that, too. So there's a lot of improvement in their cold start times, where if you don't run a Lambda in a, in a while, then it can take like six or ten seconds to start up. But uh, recently it's been like milliseconds. So cold nice. starts like a, like a cold <laughs> engine, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now, what? tell me, what could I build if I was eh, semi-technical, not completely technical? What could I build that was pretty easy? I know Amazon has a lot of tutorials, so what do you think would be very viable? Like kind of like a easy website? Oh, yeah. Hosting a website on Amazon is super easy. If you just write the HTML and uh, JavaScript and you, you don't have a backend, uh, you can just put that on S3 and put, this is a website. Now, S3 is one of their services. It's, it's so you just, can just store Yeah, it's there, just file right? storage. But file storage. Yeah, it does all kinds of, it has all these hidden features, uh, like the website hosting and all these permissions you can put on the files and directories. Public or private, right? Yeah. All this kind of stuff. And that you lock down exactly who can access that file, how can it access it, uh, how it's actually stored, you know, if it's going to be stored in long-term storage, the Glacier product, or if it's going to be the more expensive uh, S3 normal access. Uh, they have all these tiers of cost you can go with. Could I, would it be viable for me to store like my pictures on there or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, and it's super cheap. Yeah. So. And that would be something like Glacier, right? There's Where, even uh, the new version of Glacier, Deep Glacier. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. And, uh, Sorry, you mentioned that perfectly before. for you for your pictures. If <laughs> Look at that. Never accessing your pictures again. You can store. Them. Well, not never, but like you're not going to access them for a Truly while. Truly frozen yeah. archives, right? Yeah. 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 Wait for the boat to Antarctica. The icebreaker to go through. It's some satellite that's like orbiting the moon or something. Pretty much. Yeah. It uses ground control, and you're good to go. Jeez. That service, that one scares me. Yeah, mm. it feels year. like it feels like with the uh, you know at reinvent like Jason just mentioned. There's no sorry, not Jason. Patrick just mentioned uh, ground control. If you haven't heard, is like uh, the way to link up with satellites into AWS. You directly. mentioned that in your last meetup, <laughs> yeah. and that also was scary to me yeah. because you were like, "Why is it scary?" No, hold on, huh? because because I haven't worked with satellites yet. I don't know. Like that, he's, like, he's it's right. It's no, getting bigger it's than like me. Not like not that I wouldn't be interested in working with satellites. It's like Amazon saying, "Here are the tools you can communicate with a the satellite, there's, but there's you need to provide your own satellite." There's, right? yeah. there's like. <laughs> Hey, can we get other people satellite data? <laughs> yeah. Dude, with Elon Musk <laughs> and SpaceX now, I could probably pay a hundred grand, throw a little satellite up there, and I could talk to it. That's the whole idea. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, I guarantee Amazon's going to announce a service that they have used. I think what is Bezos's Blue Origin or something like that. Oh. They're going to just launch AWS satellites that you can pay to interact with. And now, what, here's no. This is yeah, this yeah. is mi micro satellites. Delivery rockets come back and land no, themselves. No, no, and yeah, no, I'm telling you, I'm yeah. telling you, what's going to happen is they're going to launch these Blue Origin satellites, and now what you're going to have is some amazing te tech. Here is you're going to be able to probably take something like. A, a snowball edge. Now I'm talking maybe like two or three years from now. I guarantee you. And Amazon, Bezos, if you're listening, you can totally take this idea. I'll give you the rights <laughs> to it. Make some money. Take the snowball edges, put a little satellite dish on them, just like they do in the Army where they've got the little uh, satellite dishes coming off the back of a radio. Put a snowball edge out in Africa and have have your uh, Blue Origin satellites broadcasting to ground station. Now you've got snowball edges 
collecting data in, in some remote regions of Africa, trying to process, you know, the next uh, AIDS vaccine or something, <laughs> broadcasting that data through a Blue Origin satellite to Amazon servers and U.S. East One doing some deep learning right, analytics right. on mm-hmm. it in real time. I'm just saying, that's a genius idea. That's something, yeah, like what Doctors Without <laughs> Borders can work with. Yeah, like that. and it's yeah. all, that's an Amazon link the whole way, so now it's encrypted. It's using the, what is it, the, the Amazon uh, uh, global network, so it's, it's an entirely encrypted link the whole way. Too easy. That's actually a pretty awesome idea. Yeah, that's, that's not as scary as I thought it would be. Where no, you, you were it's totally, you know, and, and there is totally the idea that maybe you know you could use it nefariously. But I'm saying there is definitely a way to use that for very good stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's also other ways, right? Like you know, term Skynet wise, right? <laughs> the also, idea is that you're 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 paying for satellite usage, and instead of spending the time launching your own satellite, spending the time running your own ground station, you can pay Amazon to do it. And have the like pennies. economies of scale for Amazon. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty wild that you know the stuff that huge corporations were aspiring to do when right. we were kids. Like, our kids will be able to just do them by themselves as part of, like, you know, the course of education. So yeah. it, it makes it makes me wonder, like, insane. I remember, was it? it was early 2000s, had gotten a laptop, and first time I connected to Wi-Fi, I thought that was amazing. I'm like, I have internet wirelessly, like, on my computer. This is amazing, right? <laughs> and think about this. Like, like you were saying, like, kids, you know, next generation can almost be like, I am talking to a satellite that's going around <laughs> no, in orbit, like, or around the moon or something. Well, like, that well, would be We were interviewing a, earlier the digital natives he was talking about. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so hard to... Like my daughter, it's so hard to explain, you know, YouTube's not going to work in the car because you don't have Wi-Fi. She's like, what's Wi-Fi? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like this magical <laughs> thing in the air. <laughs> magical yeah. thing that broadcasts, like, all of the world information. Yeah. Right? All your YouTube is getting tiny bits through the air, <laughs> reassembling in your iPad. <laughs> I remember, you know, being a kid and talking to someone in Australia, like another 14-year-old or whatever, and... Uh, you know, my whole family gathered around. Like, wow, like he's talking to someone in Australia. <laughs> that, that boy, it, it, when you go back to like memories, I remember Napster and like downloading the first MP3. I'm like, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. Like having that whole library and just thinking about how we gone from that to like, like you were saying, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, it's it's right. it's so Streaming commoditized now. Like, why would I illegally download it? I just right. paid ten bucks a month for it. The paradigm has changed so much. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. I'm looking condone, forward to the satellite thing, though. I don't condone any illegal music downloading. I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I've I've done it when I was younger, but I don't Whoa. do it now. <laughs> I haven't done it in years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can only imagine like. You know, there, there's tech now that I could buy to put a, to put around my house or something like that where I can see, like, it, it can capture, like, weather information around there. But imagine, like, I can look up the weather. Now, I can do that now on the Internet, granted. Imagine I can build a simple program that can do that that's talking to some satellite just just to see how it works. Get the raw data yourself Get the raw and data, process, right. it, process it your way. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, that, that'd just be amazing. And I'm, I can only imagine how, like, weather stations and things like that would better get data now with a bunch of satellites out there and stuff like that. So well, uh, weather, weather.com I believe runs primarily on Amazon <laughs> and uh, maybe three reinvents ago, they were in, as part of uh, one of their CTO, CEO, somebody was presenting uh, how weather.com uses Amazon. And they were saying that they, I think it's weather. I, I could be mistaken. I'm pretty sure it's weather.com. 
Basically, it's, oh, it's the Weather Channel Corporation. The corporation behind the Weather Channel, behind weather.com, just basically the people who tell us that it's going to rain. Um, they, three years ago, maybe it was four years ago, uh, were talking about how every five minutes, maybe it's every 15 minutes, well, some very short period of time frame, they were standing up thousands of uh, EMR clusters, the last map produced clusters, the Hadoop clusters, mm-hmm. uh, thousands every couple of minutes to do weather prediction for the entire world. Every single day, every single hour, every single couple of minutes, they were doing that. It was just amazing. Just listening to them talk about how they were doing that. This was a couple years ago. Yeah, imagine what they're doing now. Oh, yeah. With machine learning and AI, you know, at the forefront of things today. Well, I mean, when you think about it, when they do the, when they have those uh, uh, hurricane predictions. Right. That's the one I think. That's nothing but computer modeling. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because that, that's why you see like 10 of them. You just, you know, EU prediction is one way. U.S. is some other way. Yeah. You um, have a bunch of different ones. It ends up being hundreds of predictions. Those are the ones that had multiple predictions that were the same. Right. right. Probability. Right. The probability-wise, yeah, yeah. The same probability is, is higher on this route versus and other then, ones. And then not even just thinking about weather, but like even Major League Baseball a couple years ago presented at reInvent how they have installed uh, radar uh, devices at all the uh, stadiums to do predictive analysis on where the baseball is actually going when they hit it. It's interesting in a baseball game when they have the radar of the pitcher and you, the, you see how fast the pitch is coming in. It's, it, uh, yeah. Take that and then multiply yeah. it by a thousand and then yeah. put it all in the cloud. And now that's what you see how they predict how the, the ball's going as they hit it. Where the processing power is, you know. Yeah. And I've seen other sports, like other leagues, also dabbing into that, like basketball, where it's like now you can get pretty quick stats on how many times a player shot, where they shot in the court and things like that, their percentages. They're all they're all yeah. football. More more football, often than not football as well, yeah. More often than not, they're actually using Amazon for that now. Major mm. League Baseball definitely right. does. NFL definitely does. This year at reInvent they had uh, Formula One motorsports out there talking about how each of the race cars, each of the F one race cars have over a million mm-hmm. data points collected mm-hmm. every five seconds. And they're broadcasting I believe that, that to a data to a, a data collection point at the race, need some serious race. radio bandwidth to be able to do that. And, no, not even yeah. that. They're yeah. then not only are they collecting it there, they then push it to the cloud to have right. it processed in real time yeah. and broadcasted to the user, and they're able to do machine learning in AWS to tell, like, to make predictions about what the driver's about to do. Yeah, it seems like the pattern with AWS is like collect as much data as you can, you know, and they provide ways to ingest it, like Kinesis and API Gateway. That's exactly what yeah. he was talking about. And then just, the yeah, whole idea is yeah. collect all the data because yeah. you have the processing power to collect storage, all of the data. cheap, yeah. Collect it all. It, who cares if you're going to use it? Mm-hmm. Collect it, and if you end up using it later, great. If you don't use it, who cares? Right. You, it's not costing you anything. So just collect it all because you'll never find out what your data science <laughs> end up Data scientists actually exactly. See so now that that's that's like cool when it comes to like yeah like Formula One racing and I need all those data points and stuff like that because I need to analyze how the engine's running, how the driver's doing, and things like that and different variables. But when you're like collect all the data, it's like <laughs> a little scary when it comes to like dude, my data is out there. Right? I, you are I, I apologize. The dark side of it. The dark side of it. Right. Yeah, okay, you are. Really I mean, collect all the data. 
Collected on them. <laughs> I mean, that's the the big thing. That You're you already keep giving all of your data. Sorry to cut you off. You're already giving all your data to Google anyway. That's true. I mean, Facebook. Voluntarily, right? Yeah. Voluntarily, yeah. Do you have an echo in your house? I have two echoes in my house and then one one Google uh, Mini. Home Mini, yeah. Supposedly, they're not sending data back to Amazon. You know, it's funny you say that because not. I've noticed the Amazon Echo light up. It's in front of my TV. And it'll still light up at times when the TV is just on. Mm. You don't hear the word Alexa and it just turns on. And yeah. it's like, what are you listening to? It's listening. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I have to imagine it's listening because it needs to know the keyword. Yeah, Sound right? waves are triggering it. It's got to be listening in order to get it the It has keyword. to listen to it. Yeah. That's a, it's like yeah. you, you have to listen to me. You have to be listening. If I say, Jason, you're going to look at me as soon as I say that. But you've been listening, right? So they, they claim that, you know, they've got a small buffer that they're I'm, I'm listening I'm for that, that, that trigger. Small, they're, they're collecting it all. A localized small buffer. They're collecting it all. Just 16 terabytes. That's small. On their terms, yeah. that's small. Yeah. That's being discarded yeah. on, on the local device you know, <laughs> prior to. Uh, so then when I say Alexa, then it starts recording. Right, it identifies that you've said Alexa. And that at that point, it's on the local device thing you... You know, it starts capturing and then sends that for your, you know. Anyone else has Amazon Echo? I don't have Echo now. No, you have five. (laughs) You have five. (laughs) Where where do you put it in your house? Like uh, bathroom. No, not, not in the bathroom. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good idea. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexa. Alexa, order some more toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She will do it for you. Amazon fanboy right The funny thing is, when I was in the army, I was, my nickname was Paranoid Pat because I was all about like just because I was in South Korea. Like we were, we knew that the North Koreans were doing some shady stuff. The nukes are coming. Then. You know, you got you got to be careful. Like those the, the active. Co- Intel collection is still happening, so you gotta you gotta be careful. And then I leave the army and I go put Alexas in my house. <laughs> like <laughs> five of them. Too. I gave up. I gave up on being paranoid. Pat. Now I'm all about Amazon. It's not a government. Love. But it's well, hold on. Hold, I'm it's, still gonna call him paranoid. What a Pat. transformation! <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That, I'm still gonna about call you paranoid. Pat, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm still so where, all right, hold on. Where, yeah. where are they? So, so I you, got I got one in the bedroom, one in the office, one in the kitchen, one in the. Uh, in the upstairs living room, one in the downstairs living room. Okay. Yeah, I have what? Well, I, since I'm in a condo, it's one in the living room, one in the bedroom, and then in the office, I have the Google Home Mini. And and technically, I got one right here. Yeah. yeah it's the the Amazon. But app you have your phone with you. Yeah. You know, I just use. I don't even want to say it because I don't want to trigger it. <laughs> Not say it. <S-I-R-I. laughs> uh, it'll trigger on your phone. Yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah. That's like echelons below what Alexa does. It's true. It's true. Siri does is horrible. That's why I'm not afraid of it. I can't wait. Any any wait any the, particular skills that you are a big fan of? Uh, I'm a big fan of the ones I wrote. Oh, you wrote. You know, I was actually thinking about writing a skill. Yeah, well, you, you should because you get free Amazon credits. Okay. If you do. Okay. So I I wrote a, a little. My dad's a magician, so I wrote a a, a magician app where where you basically ask uh, Alexa, your lovely assistant, assistant to uh, to do something and she'll name off it's it's for a, a dice trick that he has mm-hmm. it's way too long to explain here plus i don't want to give the trick away <laughs> he posted it on his facebook group and a bunch of people downloaded it and I, apparently it still gets some usage now i haven't updated it in probably like six months but amazon sends me a hundred dollar uh amazon credit 
AWS credit every month. Oh, wow. So I want to maybe go into what an Echo skill is because it is something that... Right, right. So if you buy an Amazon Echo device, right, you can install these skills via your smartphone to say like... like it's almost say, like a macro or something, is something right. Like yeah. That so like, like Alexa yeah. out of the box can do a bunch of things, but then there these skills can let her do specific things. Like, I'll give you an example. One, I have my <laughs> entertainment system, my TV and Comcast hooked up to my Xbox One. So instead of hooking every individual thing up, I have Xbox turning all that you know TV and, and cable on, and I'll just tell Alexa to turn the Xbox on. That's a skill that you need, yeah. though. So I install that, and then I hook that to the account of my Xbox. It knows my, it knows everything in my, or at least my Wi-Fi. I'll say, Alexa, turn on Xbox, and then my entire entertainment system is turned on. That's nice. Then another one would be, I think I have like um, the Nest. Nest. The Nest, Nest is another one, right? So you can tell Alexa to, to turn the temperature up two degrees. Right, and that's she'll, a skill. Yeah. She'll increase it. Right, and then there's other ones like what's a really good one is um, like a white noise type machine. You can have something as white noise or like rainfall, whatever it is, and it help you go to sleep. So you know, that's so it's helping with the smart home. Basically. The smart home, right? You know, for kids, I've heard like that, that's really useful when you turn on the white noise machine or sound, and then you know it helps the kids go to bed. I wonder if turning on the Alexa white noise will keep Alexa from being able to spy. On. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah, probably I wonder. not. Probably not because it, it's like like GPS is like the signal so very low uh, that is it sounds like noise if you were to put it through a speaker, but it can pick out the signal from that. Yeah. Chances are the Echo device can do the same thing. <laughs> white noise, that, notwithstanding, it does, it does have some really good sound engineer yeah. for you right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it knows oh, what the white noise is producing, so it can yeah. just subtract it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. and, and, and it is a simple subtraction. Yeah, yeah. but so, so well, not like, simple, baby, but yeah. So, so with all these things, right, yeah. and uh, another one I have is like da- a daily rundown, right? Like it does yeah. it does something with like news and different things yeah. you add on there. So it's it's pretty nice. So you can tailor the the device to do what you want it to do. Well, and so – but to answer your question, the whole idea behind those skills is as a skills developer, you're basically providing the application to AWS to be used. So if you're a Nest, you can provide that skill for your you Nest go. users. Right. To use it, right. it then reaches out to your API and makes the updates. So when I tell Alexa to increase the uh, temperature by two degrees, I have previously set up that application so it knows that what I want to increase. Mm-hmm. It reaches out to the Nest API and says, Turn increase the temperature. By two degrees, the Nest right. API has no. to be there. For it to be able to do so. If the That's SDK the connections you were talking about, Dan, earlier. It basically translates yeah. my words into mm-hmm. some command that can hit an API and then do what you You're giving to. her a vocabulary. Yeah, pretty basically, much. Basically, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like an SDK yeah. for writing Echo skills? Yeah, there's definitely. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, cool. There's, there's ones cool. that Amazon has built. Yeah. There's also the Alexa skills kit. So you can actually, uh, oh. it's uh, it's basically like an IDE, I guess, for Alexa oh, skills. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. Right, right. Uh, it's pretty, and it's very right. easy to install. Yeah. Like you do it. Just- <laughs> you can build an Alexa skill in about an hour. Uh, there's a there's a tutorial. I think it's like the color color matching game or something like that. You can do it, Jason. <laughs> you got to get one of these. Actually, Jason done. is lighting up over this. I'm still you know? a little paranoid about yeah. the Alexa. You can push the mute haven't button. Haven't gotten into that yet. You can push the mute button. A little red light says it's not listening to you. Yeah, you can says. do the same thing with Google. Now, now Google doesn't seem to Slave have like to the red skills, light. but it's, it works somewhat similar. Let me put it this way: I trust a million echoes 
over a Facebook portal. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. 1984 is too fresh in my memory yeah. to just I'd, get the. Uh, I have a lot of friends. <laughs> a lot of friends that would say like you are literally bugging your own house. Like you're paying yeah. Amazon. I don't even have smart. Well, sure, you are. Yeah. yeah in the way you are. But it's better than a bug because one, you know it's there, and two, it does stuff for you. It does. Uh, yeah. a, a Russian bug, like the, my favorite, my favorite Russian <laughs> bug Russian. is the is the one that they put in the U.S. in the in the seal in the Russian embassy <laughs> or in the U.S. embassy in <laughs> Moscow. What? It was. It Wait, was, I didn't hear about this. So, so this was this was back in like the sixties. Yeah, the sixties. Like the tech uh, is really primitive, but it's a but it's it was genius. Genius. So. In the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, uh-huh. they they got a, a a seal delivered to them, like a U.S. seal delivered to them, was completely made out of wood, uh, delivered to them by the Russians. Said, "Hey, like a gift. happy for you to be right, like right, a like a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it, <laughs> very that's much, the whole idea. Yeah, very it much, very, very, very much. Of, the entire thing was made out of wood, except a very small part had a little wire coming off of it. That the only way it got powered was when it got hit with a radio wave." And so they would sit a they would sit a truck outside and broadcast this radio wave at it. And when they did, it would pick up the sound in the room. And they were totally baffled as to why the embassy was being bombarded with this strong RF energy. <laughs> well, <laughs> they knew that they were getting they hit by this radio I don't know wave. That they, they knew that it, yeah. it ended up like it was there for 10, 15 years, yeah. collecting all this stuff in this conference room. And the way they found out was a cleaning person just happened to knock it off the wall and it broke. <laughs> and they found this thing inside of it, and they're like, "Holy crap! There's been this bug inside the U.S. Embassy." So you mean to tell me that they didn't scan it? They just said, "Thank how, you for the gift." How are you going to scan? Like it was back in the sixties. I don't know. I think it was. Ah, you're scan. right. They don't. They maybe you're right. You're have right. the technology to scan that type of stuff. Yeah, but I feel like there's a wire hanging out. I could just. No, I could at least it was look all at it. Internal. You got to look it up. It's, all right. All right. I'll I look it up. It, I think it's called the bug. <laughs> the bug. And it, uh, just it's U.S. Embassy. The I believe bug. you. It's, it's just crazy. If you go to the spy museum in D.C., they have a replica there. It's a really. You know, awesome I I was there like story. eight years ago. I should go back. It was it was there eight years ago. I guarantee it. I probably missed it. Then. <laughs> it was hidden to you, even. It was so it was natural. Hidden to me, right? <laughs> so obviously it. now, like. Back then, people were afraid that you're getting bugged. Now you're putting these devices. Now I'm buying it and saying, yeah, awesome. You're carrying it in your pocket. Yeah, you put it in there. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, there's a special deal on this for Black Friday. Let me just get it. Right? <laughs> it is <laughs> an interesting sea change in public acceptance. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that's just the whole, amazing. That's you know? the amazing part. Yeah. I mean, look at me. I Nickname was Paranoid Pat. And now I'm purposefully... <laughs> Bugging my house because it's offering me a better service, and you know what it's doing. That's what's so amazing that's, that's about the it. Worst part. Well, I know, you know, I feel so dirty much when I do it, but I do it anyways. <laughs> I do it anyways because I get to do stuff like tell Alexa to turn the lights off because I'm too lazy to push the button. Which room do you use the most? Kitchen uh, or all like, of them? You use all all of them. Do you have any screens? I got an Echo. You know, I, I was looking at the, the, the Google screen, cool. the, the Google screen only because. So I've had this like side project in, in this, this my mind of having Amazon. I know it's about Amazon, <laughs> but it's still the about cloud, the cloud services. Yeah. yeah, like I wanted to have a screen that just showed like a calendar or whatever it is, like stuff that's going on. Well, there's that, and then there's a Google one. But I'm like, man, I'm just buying more into the cloud services and getting more bugs in my house. <laughs> the thing is, you, you really you don't have to buy into it anymore. Like. It's hard to avoid it. So yeah, like, I, I, I bought, I bought an LG TV, and they 
you know, the first thing that pops up when I turn it on is their privacy policy that <laughs> says, you know, a TV there's a microphone in this device and it will be sending everything to LG. And I was like, no, I'm not okay with that. And the device shut down. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, do I want to spend $100 to UPS this thing back to where I ordered it from? Or do I just accept this now? And just well, find a place, find the microphone hole, and epoxy fill it. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you can just reach in there and, like, snip a couple of wires. Like but that's me. I'm like... That's Jason, a no, no, for a T in a T because he doesn't want like he's like he would say no and then a device goes off he's like what do I do now like, as a consumer like every consumer can't be an electrical engineer that's gonna go true you know s- same that's thing true. with uh, a car that I bought recently it's got a uh, you know a GPS and a cell module and if you clip the wires of that thing the car you know stops starting up yeah and you have to you know you have to be savvy enough to go online and find the hacks and but the average person doesn't care. You know, it, it, I know this is getting away a little bit from AWS, but yeah. it's funny because recently we got a new car that also you can turn on wirelessly from an app and all that. And mm. I'm like, I'm not paying for a specific service on the car, but it, it has to be you know connected to the internet to do all this stuff. Right. It's, it's crazy that it does all that. So you paid for it for the thousands of dollars that you pay for that. And you used to think that OnStar oh, was yeah. a privacy violation. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and now by yeah. like like you said, yeah. Amazon Echo and doing all that. So so you do have the screen yep. Echo, right? Echo and show. Have you used that in terms of like talking to people? Yeah, a little bit. Not nearly as much as I'm sure other people have. Just well, for, I mean I can't imagine I've, I mean I don't have that. I never bought in on video conferencing. Right. Ever. It's just yeah. ever ever since seeing it in Back to the Future I was like, that's that's never gonna. Well, nobody's gonna want to do that. And that's another thing too. It's like <laughs> it, it's really hard to to get that right because like, it but doesn't matter what company you are because it's like it, I've seen ones that can track you in a room, yeah. but I would the have portal. to I would have to be in the room yeah. to do that, and it, it's just a little weird. Maybe I want to be there on the conference call with like, like laying in bed. I'm just saying, I want to <laughs> be on video. That's why I turn the uh, turn the turn the camera off. I can just sit there laying in bed. That's why you need Alexa or you need a Amazon like Sumerian. Is that the one, the virtual person you can spin up? <laughs> yeah, I never heard of this. What's this oh, about? Yeah. It's another AWS service. Oh, so it's like their so, yeah. virtual reality uh, toolkit where you can actually have like a, a person that can that is hooked into Alexa. Can do Alexa uh, talk and use recognition mm-hmm. to do image recognition. You can you can hook it up to all these Amazon services. And then it can actually talk to people and respond to people. You Pop up your second life version of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll just, it'll, it'll be like an answer Amazon machine. It just responds. Yeah, Amazon. it can actually it can do things. So That's awesome. It's pretty nice. It's pretty right. interesting how they've, they've started blurring the lines between, you know, manual labor and computer labor mm-hmm. as well with, you know, Mechanical Turk or simple That's, workflow where you can have all right, so you, you mentioned Mechanical Turk. On a, on yeah. a person. You mentioned this on your last meetup. Yep. And I, I remember I, I was talking to somebody because I, so I, I looked was, at it. We were talking about Ground Truth. It's the new Amazon service for SageMaker. SageMaker Ground Truth. Okay. And so, what it, what's ground, so what SageMaker is is their artificial intelligence training engine process they now have ground truth which allows you to set up workflows that i'll set up you can use mechanical turk or you can set up like a private version of it to use like internally but mechanical turk allows you to spin up very cheap human labor borderline slave labor i i believe personally um 
Uh, did I say I'm an Amazon fanboy? Because you did I say did, you are. I do end up hating on Amazon a little bit. But uh, you can with Mechanical Turk, you can set up things like uh, follow this process, and at the end of this process, you'll get a code, and you input this code at the at the end of it, and that gets you credit for doing that work. And the person who does it gets like ten cents. They do a hundred of those in a day. They make a dollar or something like. No, I guess that'd be ten dollars. You know, good for them. They made ten bucks. I guess it's it's. You see the pro- the problem I see with Mechanical Turk is you see a lot of uh, third country nations providing workforce to it. That's why I kind of think it's a little slave laborish kind of stuff because they're making very small amounts of money for the work they're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing that like years ago back in college. Um, is one of those things that you think like, oh, I can make a couple bucks doing something on the internet, right? Yeah. Like whether it's typing something or listening to some audio and typing. Yeah. But then you think about it, you're like, if I have to listen to two hours of audio and type out what they're saying, but I'm only getting like five or ten dollars, it's like, not worth it. It's not worth it. It's like no. you, you think about that, ten dollars or two hours worth yeah. of work. And not only that, it's going to take you a minimum of two hours. But if you can hear every word the first time, the, right? The interesting thing I think is pretty cool about ground truth is you can set up private workflows that you can distribute to your own company. So let's say you have 100 people in your company that are going to work on this. They're getting paid by the company. You tell them to work on this. Now they're just getting paid to, to better your, your engine for your company. Mm. They're getting paid company rates. That's why I think that's a better use of and for what product. kind of work like for for right now audio? It's, right now it's all uh, image cl- or sorry data classification so you have a, a piece of data and you through this workflow process you identify that it's data type a or b or c um, and through this workflow engine process with ground truth using your internal labor force you're able to then have them identify that it's data type a b or c so it helps stagemaker train the ai more exactly yeah, yeah. I was going to say with the Mechanical Turk, like years ago, 10 years ago, I was working, uh, I was doing this work with ChaCha. I don't know if you guys have ever heard mm-hmm. of that. It was like this texting service. You could text any question to ChaCha, and then there were people on the other end like me that would You know, I've, I've heard of a service. I just yeah. don't remember the name ChaCha. It's, it's like right before like smartphones came out. No, like, I, I've heard of some service you could text and then yeah. get a question yeah. Yeah. respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so people that didn't have web browsers on their phone and stuff back then, so they would text. The flip phones, right? Yeah, and then we'd get paid like 10 cents an answer or something. Ah. So it's a very similar thing where it's like kind of like a micro gig economy. Right. Where it's like the Uber of just doing some general task. So it's, it's kind of nice that, you know, someone in, in a third world country could, you know, have a, a cell phone because they still have cell phones over there and just be working at home and just someone pops up and they're like, oh, yeah, do and then be done and get like a couple cents or something. And that's enough for them in their account to, to eat for the day, you know? So they kind of dangle relative. the carrot too. Like they're like, you can level up to a tier two. Exactly. Yeah. Turk. <laughs> that is right. Yeah. And if you are leveled up, then you could get bigger jobs that yeah. pay more. That's right. And they do have, you, you do have the ability to verify you're like in a specific country or you speak a specific language okay. and get a higher level score and, and make, you know, $5 per job. Yeah. Maybe that's the future job. of jobs. 
Maybe that's, maybe. maybe that's how we're going to fit in the yeah. AI world. It's, it's going to ask us questions, we're going to answer them, and we're going to get a little bit of money, and we're going to go on with our day. Yeah, but at some point, <laughs> AI is going to know all the answers, and then we're... Is it, though? They'll never. I don't, man, I don't think I don't know. Know. They won't know how we like feel and stuff. It'll be like more like a... But would AI like really that. care how you feel? I feel like that's a different topic. That's AI stuff. We yeah, if you want AI to care... Now, granted, AWS is getting into AI and, all the, and machine learning and all this the, stuff. And all of Werner Vogel's keynote this year was 100% AI-related. Just talking about all the different services they offer now for AI and machine learning things. Okay. That's insane. So, what's your favorite service or thing that AWS provides? Start with you, Patrick. I am identity and access management. Real quick, what the hell is that? It's the service that uh, guards the cloud. It provides user access. It provides role access. It's the policies to access all the various services inside of Amazon. You cannot do anything inside Amazon until you, until you know how to use IAM a little. Their key management is a part of that. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. So, like, assuming, like, in your company with all your services that you use, and let's say I was just recently hired, that's how you would give me access. Yep. And based off that, I can access particular services and Correct. things like that, right? Yep. Okay. It's the most, in my opinion, the most powerful service. What about you, Jason? Uh, so, this isn't really an exciting pick, but... Please don't oh. say S3. <laughs> I like Cognito. So, yeah. you know, I, as a, as a, you know, I came from a development background and I've probably written user management systems. Way too many times. A dozen <laughs> times. And I'm never writing one again. I'm using Cognito. <laughs> so, so Cognito basically allows you to, um, you know, create users. Um, it gives you some, uh, user interfaces for resetting their password and, um, you know, verifying their email address. You can verify phone numbers over SMS. Uh, you can sync personal data if people have, you know, they want the dark theme every time they come to your website. You know, you can store that kind of huh. stuff along with their, their user information. Um, and it's really flexible, so you can kind of, if you have, like, an active directory or some other sort of... Uh, store for their their um you know authenticating the user then you can still tie that into amazon roles so it's it's great yeah pretty cool but it's it's not the most exciting it's not though but it's it's another very powerful (laughs) another essential tool just like yours right i I don't want to jinx dan but it's it's very interesting (laughs) that the first two services are security related they are yeah now, Dan, what you got? <laughs> what do you got? So my favorite is Redshift. Ah, Ooh. It's not security related. It's and not. And the podcast. It's somewhat. He taught, he taught you Redshift, didn't he? he did. Somewhat. I, I showed him. Redshift. I feel like you taught everyone Redshift. I love Redshift because it lets you, you know, ask questions about your data that you couldn't do before because you don't have enough power. Yeah. You, know, you can put all the data in there. You can ramp it up as big as you want, have a distributed cluster, and it's designed in such a way that it makes that data queryable. Uh, you don't have to set up indexes or any of that. You just have to design the tables right in the beginning. Uh, and with that, you know, I've been able to replace several data warehouses and uh, 
and they worked millions of times better than the original, you know, SQL Server or MySQL Server. So right. that's my most exciting. Cool. So this is kind of a funny thing about AWS is it kind of spoils you where <laughs> when I first encountered Redshift, it was like the most amazing thing ever because it totally enabled things for our businesses. And now I'm just like, man, why don't I have to spend all this time like, you know, making my queries performant? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to change your thinking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, Amazon has a, a new product. <laughs> Oh, Neptune, oh, where yeah. you just des- define the relationships between your the graph database, your uh, your data, and you don't need to do any tuning of you know make because with Redshift you kind of have to make sure your data is spread out across the nodes such that yeah. each worker node is doing the same or you know roughly the same amount of work when a query comes in. Yeah, you got to distribute that load yeah. and. Uh, Apparently with Neptune you don't have to do that. Now I haven't gotten to play with it yet, but uh, like it does its own load balancing kind of thing, is it? Um, so basically, it kind of you know, based on what you tell it, the relationship between your pieces of data are, it will determine the optimal sort of um, placement across its its nodes, so that when a query does come in, that it will scale. You know, it'll, it'll already be optimized, basically. So that's their marketing video. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, I'm really yeah. try it. I'm anxious to give it a yeah. shot. I'm always, yeah, they always promise a lot, and then when you not dig to poo poo, not to poo poo on your your choice there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they serve different purposes. Because I mean. yeah, Redshift is is not meant to be like a graph database. It's not supposed to like store data quickly. It's just supposed to be queryable quickly. Right. So. It's amazing how you guys just know all these like services. And like you said, it was what 140 plus. Different services in there, stuff like that. And once so you know them all, though, you just have to pay attention at reInvent and learn the new ones. <laughs> learn the new ones, that's right. Which is a really, really, really Well, no, there's no list. way you can know them all. But, you know, if you're, like, looking to really solve good. a particular problem, you see if there's a solution for it that Amazon provides. For me, in particular, I've only... Cloudfront has been awesome. Cloudfront's a good one. Cloudfront's awesome. And Cloud, Cloudfront's a unique one, like IAM. It's a global service. It's not a regional service. It's not. It is global service. It's, yeah. it's one of the ones that when when it breaks, there's some problems going on at right. AWS that day. No, right. The only problem is Cloudfront is kind of expensive compared to other CDNs. That is true. You can't. Yeah, yeah you can't. Like unless, I heard people, running, unless you're running something like my website, yeah. where it's only like a, a cent a month, yeah. then you're fine. No, but I've heard people putting CDNs in front of CloudFront to reduce cost. So it's pretty funny that <laughs> That's funny. they have to go to that length. Yeah. Just because C- of the cost. Yo, dog, I have a CDN for your CDN. Yeah. <laughs> and they say that it saves, like, uh, it's like one eighth the cost to go with uh, the other CDN on top of CloudFront. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's weird things with Amazon where you wonder, you know, how. You know how how much are they trying to you know pinch a, a penny out of you in an unexpected mm-hmm. way? So, CloudFront is one of those ways where yeah. you know I, if I if I want to host my website uh, using a custom domain out of S3, then I have to name the bucket the yeah. same as my domain, mm-hmm. or I can put CloudFront in front of it. So now I've got an additional cost that I you know. To get around this limitation, because right. I don't want to go back and change my code. Right, right. there you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of those things. Like in Fargate, like how expensive that is compared to just having the EC2 clusters up. Like, yeah, but that convenience is has a cost. With Fargate, you don't have to worry about managing the instances. I know, yeah, that's what you're paying for is that it's, relief of worry. And by, by the sound of this, both Dan and Patrick are the guys to go to when you're looking for some solutions, right? Well, yeah, you know what? That's the whole idea behind the solutions architect like certification. You know, there's the whole idea is you get certified so that you know the majority of the services that are out there so you can answer a lot of those questions. Right. Like the, 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 the issue that you had a couple of years ago where you're like, I need to be able to ingest thousands, hundreds of thousands of IoT devices. devices yeah. yeah. How do I do that in Amazon? You go talk to a consultant like, uh, like you guys over there mm-hmm. at, at Thorn Technologies and say, hey, how do I do this? And you come back and say, here's the way that we would do it. Yeah. And it ended up being. You've even helped good. me with like the cross origin stuff, you yeah. know, using yeah. two different domains, you know, yeah. to serve the site and the contents and stuff like that. So CloudFront definitely helped on that. Yeah. And once you like learn AWS, you know, it gets a lot easier to read the docs because you realize like the, you know, the first couple pages are like talking about how to do IAM and <laughs> yeah. like how to set up a user. And you're like, yeah. you know, I do all this yeah. stuff. So you just get to the, to the meat. Patrick's like a big page. expert on that. Yeah. <laughs> AWS is definitely probably one of the biggest like, RTFM kind of. Mm. <laughs> There's well, like they, they do have pretty good documentation. RTFM. Read, read the freaking manual. There you go. Uh, yeah. I I disagree with you on that because at least from a perspective of uh, being at a company that has a really good relationship with our account manager, uh, we can email them a problem, and within a matter of hours, they've got a solutions architect that can answer our questions. But are they on Slack? <laughs> they aren't, but they're on email, which is just as good in my opinion. Do you so have Do you have like the advanced support or no, anything like that? We we just have uh, really go to good, Dan for that. We have really good connections. <laughs> our our the, the boss at our company we call him uh, knows people at Amazon and and has over the years uh, we've we've realized that you know the people that are quote unquote underneath them will be very responsive to us because he's got that connection with the with their bosses. So that's nice. that's nice. without that enterprise support that they will provide that kind of they're, they're they're very helpful. Now at the same time we are billing a large amount of money. So I think we're probably in that same tier level of being enterprise support. So it it it, it truly is dependent upon how much money you're spending on Amazon of how responsive they are. But at the same time, I, I want to specifically say that our, our account managers are super awesome guys. On a lot of the guys, you know, I don't, awesome. I don't know. Awesome. AWS. <laughs> AWS OME. Awesome. Some AWS. of the guys you've had at the, at the, you know, the meetups, I, you know, the Steven Alexander talk. He's, he's awesome. Man, I asked him a question just one-on-one after, after the event and he gave me, you know, like a wealth of knowledge, and I went back and yeah, redid yeah. Our, our security the next day. So. Yeah, no, Stephen Alexander, he's another guy to, to specifically call out from Amazon. He's <laughs> he's based out of like the Baltimore area. He's he's come to the AWS Frederick Meetup Group. He's been Columbia, to UBAX's yeah. uh, over there in Columbia's uh, <laughs> Meetup Group. Might have to get him on the podcast. Definitely, no, he yeah. and he oh, yeah. would he would definitely he he just loves talking about Amazon all day long. Awesome. He's it's, cool hard, it's hard not to want to talk about Amazon when you start using it. It's just it's, such a... It makes your life easier. Like, that's the that's the question. Well, that's a growing theme here, right? It's like, I don't have to build build my own server farm. My Amazon can handle all that for me. And, yeah, and it feels like... It feels so powerful 
to just you know, be able to have a million people hit your site and you know not even worry, not even, not have, even worry. You're, no you're one's on call. On no TV. one's on call. And then not only that, right? The the bigger thing is that um, you don't have to be so technically savvy to get something up and running. No, yeah. There are so many manuals and tutorials out there that can help you get up and running pretty quickly. Now you will, in some cases, have to pay for that. Well, yeah. If you're going to use DynamoDB, you're going to have to pay for right. being able to handle a million users. Well, yeah. yeah. But if you're if you're new and you're looking to experiment all that, you're not going to do that. You're not going to be in that kind of scenario. Exactly. Right. So you'll be fine with that. So it's a couple of things. Anything you want to plug in from the meetups or anything like that? AWS Frederick, uh, Keylog, Python Frederick, all the great meetup groups here in Frederick are definitely looking for more tech people and tech speakers. And if you're not tech and you're interested in doing that, Patrick can definitely help you out with the meetups and all yeah, that. Definitely. I mean, all these guys are more than willing to teach you guys. So There's a ton of, about- ton of people coming out to the meetups that are, you know, really experienced in the industry or, you know, maybe they come from the sysadmin side, the developer side, and also, um, you know, people who don't have any experience in the industry. Right. Or maybe they're a business analyst or a manager or, you know, all sorts of people coming. So I don't think anyone needs to be afraid to come out. Yeah. Come out. We'll answer all your questions. That's what I like about the the Frederick meetup groups is they're, they're a little smaller, not always smaller, but a little smaller so you can get those really intimate questions being asked. FY then. <laughs> you got anything you want to plug in, I'm good. Jason? You're I good? just want to plug the meetup groups. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. He's a co-host. That's right. What about you, Dan? I'll plug uh, our AWS Marketplace product, SFTP Gateway. Okay. It's a way to use you know your legacy SFTP protocol to actually distribute your data straight to S3. Awesome. And, and unfortunately, Amazon released their AWS transfer for SFTP uh, at reInvent, which has been uh, this whole other topic I'd want to talk about, but <laughs> get a little sour. But if somebody needs, um, you know, AWS certified consultants. Yeah, if you need AWS certified consultants, Thorn Technologies. Thorn Technologies with Dan, Dan yeah, Rusk. We're AWS certified partner. Any email to, to reach you at? Yeah, Dan Rusk at thorntech.com. Dan Rusk, right? No dots? Or? No dots. You can put dots in there. It'll still Dan work. Rusk at thorntech.com. Yeah. There you go. I bet it's got a Gmail back end. It, it definitely does, yeah. <laughs> You're on the Gmail for business, yeah. I, I, I have to advocate for you, Dan, because you taught me a lot on AWS stuff, and I've only learned a couple. Nowhere near what these guys learned, but you know, we've he's, learned a lot. He's a smart dude. Smart dude, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, and I, actually, I was also interested in taking some of your courses and get certified. Nice. You know, why not? You should get certified, yeah. Definitely. So. Yeah. Awesome. So I just want to say thank you guys. Appreciate you guys coming out and talking about AWS. We did talk about some other little little <laughs> cloud services, but it's okay. it's okay. It's all right. Had a good time drinking some beers, talking with you guys. So thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, yeah. Fun. thanks. Well, thank you guys. So all right. Well, thank you guys. Till next time. See ya.